I'm just saying, you know how they 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 decided that like they finally got along at the end of Venom One, and then in Venom Two they're fighting again because that's the only plot point they could think of to you know have conflict in the well. character. Anyway, hello everyone, of- welcome to our Venom podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, one of the managing editors here at Antifem. You can find most of my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. That's J-O-S-E-I Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow Antifem staffers, Vry and Peter. Hey, I'm Vry. I'm a managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can find the uh, freelance writing I do on Twitter, at Writer Vry. You can find the podcast about trash media I co-host, at TrashPod, although because of life and many other things, uh, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus as of late. And I apologize in advance. People are always asking, will you all cover... uh, Don May or Don Hua on Anna Fam, and we always say no because we we feel like as an editorial team we don't have a lot of cultural competency in that regard as editors. Uh, but I will say I didn't get that much anime watched this season because I was busy getting into the Untamed. So that's where Vry's been. So that's me. Anyway, Peter. Yeah, I'm Peter Phobian. I'm an associate manager of social media at Crunchyroll and an editor here at Anime Feminist. On Twitter, I'm at Peter Phobian. And today we are uh, looking back at the winter 2021 anime season. It is our retrospective. Um, Like we usually do with these, we'll um, basically start from the bottom of our Premiere Digest list and work our way up. We categorize the shows based on how much interest or value they might have to a feminist-minded audience member. Um, Because there's quite a few shows and there's also, I think, a lot to talk about with some of them, We aren't going to go through the entire list. Um, We touched base with some of the earlier ones in our mid-season, so you can check that out. Um, We also have first episode premiere reviews and three episode check-ins, which you can read up on. Um, So this this will really be heavy focused on the back half of the season. Um, And with that in mind, we're actually going to start basically halfway through our list um, in the neutral zone with Sakugan. Oh, wait, no, sorry. We wanted to start with Takuto Opus Destiny which is not how it's spelled, but that is how it's said, apparently. Um, Peter, you finished this one, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Um, What would you say to folks who are curious about it or maybe tried it at the start and weren't sure if they wanted to keep up with it? I I liked it pretty well. I think it... uh dodged some sort of like uh like red lights that we were seeing early on and maybe fell into other ones so it kind of just depends on where your areas of sensitivity are specifically d i think you were you kind of fell off because uh you were liking lenny and titan and they kind of uh disappeared yeah uh, that was part of it okay i can't say they come back and they are they have some really big narrative importance some great moments too so oh cool just specifically for you, I, I thought I'd mention that. The, the big concern, I think, was around Hell, uh, the music art who had dark skin and seemed to be like the psycho villain music art. Yeah, seemed very unhinged. Yeah, while, while she is, it, like, works for the villain, she is not the villain and also not the only music art villain. So she, she's one of a crew. I, I would say uh, maybe not great, but also, like, not as the not the definable villain of the series. Could, could have been worse. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They they do lean into a romantic subplot between Destiny and Tact, and uh, I don't know quite what the age gap is between the characters, but 
I believe it does exist. Also, there's just that weird thing where she's possessed by like an alien mineral to make her into a music art. So I, I, I don't know where that falls on the problematic scale. <laughs> I I do think it really hit the landing with the final episode though. Uh, it was a really, really great finale and it had it introduced some stuff, which I think it, it kind of did the thing where what's the other girl's name, Amy, Anna, Anna Schneider. Uh, she, uh, it, if they ever do a season two, she might be the new, uh, I don't know what they call it, a uh, music art commander uh, person. She 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 joins the chorus symphonia thing. Uh, so uh, I don't know if that's leaning into the current story arc with the video game, the gotcha game, mm-hmm. or if, if that's like a teaser for season two, but I think they might like start. It seems like they want to do some stuff with Anna as a character in one way or another. So I, I think that's good after kind of focusing on, just Lenny intact and that crazy guy is like the three mm-hmm. uh, composers so far they had in the series. So yeah, I liked what... I liked Anna too. So she would be. So you're saying she doesn't become one. Of, she doesn't like have her personality overwritten by the alien seed things. She's like just she's still herself. She just becomes like involved in the action. No, I think uh, Anna be like uh, she joins the whatever their organization is called, and I think uh-huh. she becomes like uh, possibly the the handler for destiny going forward. I think that's what it's what what the situation is in the gotcha game. I think they're both characters, so that might be what they're going into. Okay. Well, so as far as gotcha game adaptations go, it sounds like this one turned out pretty solid. I know the animation at the start was terrific. Did it pretty much continue to look really nice all the way through? Oh yeah, the finale was freaking gorgeous. Probably the best episode. Awesome. That kind of makes me want to just watch the finale for the pretty colors. Um, be like, oh, this sure looks nice. I have no context for this. I do think um, the best moment in the series was definitely a Lenny, Lenny Titan moment, though. So cool. yeah, that to look forward to as well. That is good to know. Um, depending on how dire winter is, maybe I'll go back. Because, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate it. There was just other stuff, and I didn't love it. So mm-hmm. uh, good to know. Um, and hopefully it does well. Um, okay, next up then is Sakugan. Um Brian and I have both dropped it at four. We talked about why in the mid-season. Uh, Peter, you finished it. I guess it's getting a season two, so you finished yep. the. You got to the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, how was the character development? Did Gagumber become less of a tool? <laughs> um, I think maybe in the like, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you always think he's going to do it, but then he kind of falls back into his bad behaviors again. So that's annoying. Uh, in the final episode, he did have another breakthrough, but it's hard to say, like, especially, you know, with season twos or with the uh, uh, movie sequels, they always got to return to whatever the uh, the big conflict in the first movie was because they can't think of a new angle to write about it, you know? <sighs> yeah. Spoiler zone is kind of revealed that Gumber, he's not actually her biological father. Uh, she's an indigo child or something. And, I uh, suspected it might be something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and she, to protect him, decides to leave or something, but he goes like, no, like, fuck that. I'm the one who changed your diapers. Like, uh, I've been there for you the whole time. I am your dad. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good moment, but I'm like, I'm worried in season two, like, he's just going to be old Gagumber again. That does seem to be the complaint that I uh, that I heard from people on my, you know, mutuals who were following it is that there would be good individual moments, but there was no sense of like building characterization. Every mm-hmm. episode could be played in any order. Yeah, it is kind of like that. And I, I did think they were going to punish Gungumber actually for being the way he was because it turns out Zackle too, the the woman that's introduced. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're too bad to her. Uh, yeah, I met her in the bad episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She knew Gagumber previously uh and uh she was close to somebody who used to work with him and died and 
was kind of like trying to see if Cucumber was the one that got them killed or not. And the way he treats Mamempu actually convinces her that it was his fault that the guy dies. So she tries to kill him. And I, in that way, I'm like, oh, are there like consequences? Is him being like such a shitty father, like was enough to convince this other character that it's like, oh, no, you're probably a piece of shit. And I should kill you for getting, <laughs> getting my friend killed. Yeah. And, they fight, and the way she fights him, I think, kind of makes her a little villainous. She, like, takes Mamempu as a hostage. Uh, and then uh, after they fight, and he ends up re- rescuing Mamempu in the process, I feel like they just sort of, just, like, got back to square one again, though. So Yeah. Yeah, that was this. yeah. It seems like there was a very, a lack of cohesive, like, character development throughout. So, that's a bummer. Um, I really enjoyed that first episode, and then it was diminishing returns, and yeah, so... Um, sounds like it kind of stayed the course, folks. So, I mean, if you like the first few episodes, then you'll probably continue to like it. Although, again, that episode four was a real stinker. Otherwise, I don't know, maybe, maybe when season two comes out and people watch it, maybe it'll start doing character stuff and having it stick. So I'll let you know if, uh, Gumber's a new man in season two or not. (laughs) Yeah. Keep us, keep us posted on if he actually changes. Yeah. Um, okay, next on the list, uh, you know, we should really just have that clip of John Mulaney saying we don't have time to unpack all that, like just ready for you to smash whenever I need to queue it up on these retrospectives, because I always feel like I, I need that clip. Yeah. Um, the next show is Muta King, the Dancing Hero, which Ryan and I both completed. D, I'm so sad. I'm s- Yeah. Overall, I had a fun time with it, but um, there's kind of a big sticking point in the final episode that um, is making it hard for me to like give it a wholehearted recommendation. Vry, would you like to talk about it? And obviously, folks, spoiler zone, final episode. We won't go in. I don't know how deep into specifics we'll go, but we are going to reveal some character death type stuff. So here we go. Yeah. uh, So I also really, really liked this for 11 episodes. I was totally ready to put it on the season rec list. I think on on the whole, it's a really fun Tokusatsu throwback with bright colors and we are dance battling aliens uh, who are also Jeff Bezos and it was a great time. <laughs> DJ got to become great. co-protagonist, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, and then the final episode came all, came and we mentioned in the mid-season that we were kind of worried that the show was going to kill off Vivi, who was the you know previous generation of sentai hero and she had some death flags on her character and it was something that i was sad about but kind of bracing myself for because i hate when shows kill off you know the only kill off a trans or queer character and they're not in very specific circumstances with you know creators you get what i mean um sure so i was kind of braced for that and i was going to be sad but not expect but not maybe deal breaker crushed because I assumed that there would be a fair amount of that there would be loss in the finale, you know, final battle stuff. We, you know, I, mm-hmm. I thought maybe, uh, maybe Muteki's gr- grandma would die and we'd lose a couple other people in, in the, f- you know, the fight to the finals standard stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But what happened in effect folks at home is uh, not only does Vivine die, She's the only character who dies and not just uh, it took me a while to unpack why this ended up bothering me so much. And I think I figured it out. It's not that she dies because she's a mentor character. That's pretty standard to kill that kind of character off because you pass on to the torch to the next generation and what have you. Yeah. 
And it is a very like heroic, noble, like, no, I'm going to do this thing to help them because they need it. And that's my, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on the kids being all right sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. She's framed as a heroic character from beginning to end in this very admirable figure, but she's the only one who dies. The show fakes you out twice about it where it seems like mm-hmm. she's died and then she comes back. Yeah, that pissed me off. <laughs> it pissed me off a lot. And then literally everyone else gets to go to the dance party at the end. And when I say everyone else, I also mean alien Jeff Bezos, who gets a Steven Universe um, redemption. And I would be fine with that if, ev- if this was an everyone lived show. But no, everyone lives and gets to go to the eternal dance party, except for the heroic trans character, who's the only one whose death stuck. And I'm pissed. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those where if they'd had just a few of just a few of the kids, like if you'd had one of the kids be trans, just one, and there'd been Uh some balance, like moving on to the next generation, we might have been like, well, no, she dies, but it's heroic. And there's also these other characters. But she's also not only is she the only character who dies, she's the only queer character in the entire series. Although I would argue that the uh, sports bros are boyfriends, but that's that's head canon. (laughs) That's head canon. That's not official. And maybe it's also that the show is is extremely on the theme of like, you know, it's really gr- individuality is great and being yourself is great and there are rainbows everywhere and suddenly I'm back yes. in 2009 where we're celebrating how it's great to be different but we're not saying exactly what different means and all these characters in, on, on, in text are straight. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was because they have that moment where like Vivi kind of comes back and it's like, I guess it's her spirit right before she goes to heaven. I'm I'm assuming she goes to heaven and she's having a great time there. Uh-huh. Um, she goes to alien but- octopus heaven. Yeah. Also, she's an alien, so their trans character is not even a human person, um, which we we could dig into the the alien slash brown characters mixed race issue that's going on with both her and DJ. But we don't we don't have time. We don't have time. It's probably there. Somebody, if you want to pitch us an article, by all means. Yes. Hell yes. But she has she like her spirit comes back, and I was like, oh, maybe they're gonna magic a way for her to survive. Actually, um, and she has this conversation with. Uh, Jeff Bezos as we're as, with alien Bezos as we're calling him and um it's basically like yeah embrace embrace individuality it's so great that there's all these all these different you know shapes and sizes and colors and people in the world and I'm like this is a wonderful message and it's like live your life the way Vivi lived her life and I'm like that's so great why does she have to die though I don't know if the show realizes that it undercut its own message um, with that particular point um, I think the show thought it was doing a, a noble, heroic thing, really lifting Vivi up. And it's like, yeah, but sh- she's still dead. And we don't, to our knowledge, none of the other characters are queer. So it's frustrating. I still liked it. I don't regret watching it. It made it, it makes it, I told you, if you decide to wreck it for the season, I will co-sign it. But I, I am not prepared to grapple with the, uh, the, the fraught topic that is Vivi, um, so I'm, I'm hesitant to recommend it, even though I did enjoy it. Yeah, I had a good I, I also don't regret watching it, but I am, I guess now sort of sort of dampens my enthusiasm to recommend it to other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you if you know that going in, just be aware of it, I guess. Otherwise, it's a fun time. Um, it just it, it goofed up at the end and I don't think it knew it did. So but for now, we need to move on from Muta King to Lupin the Third Part 6, which, uh, Peter, are you caught up on that, or? I finished episode, I'm up to six. Okay. I've been catching up to it okay. this year. Okay, and Vry, you haven't gotten into this one yet. I simply haven't had time. I will, someday. <laughs> I know I will. It, yeah. go, go on. 
Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm all caught up. They just, they took a week off between cores, um, but it's, go, it's running through the winter as well. Um, and they sort of wrapped up their, like, the Sherlock arc they were doing in the part one, they wrapped it up with the two-parter at the end of this core. And now I think Sherlock is still going to kind of be a character in part two, but that central story is kind of wrapped. So we're moving into a new story with a lady villain thief, which I'm interested in, who has some connection to Lupin's mom. And this is all cool. So I'm curious to see what part two does. Uh, part one, I continued to really enjoy the one-shot episodes. There's a wild one about um, uh, Darwin's bird. Is that Archaeopteryx? Am I saying that right? Anyway, that I had a that I had a great time with. Yes, the one who she's been waiting to do for decades. I've had a lot of fun with his very self-indulgent episodes. They've been super fun. Um, yeah, the one-offs have been a good time. The overall arc with Sherlock was, it was fine. I mean, I, I've noticed that with, I mean, Brian, I think you've talked about this too, with a lot of the newer Lupons, like the one-shot episodes tend to be like, they tend to have some really strong ones. And then anytime they try to do a longer arc, it sputters a bit more. Mm-hmm. The Sherlock arc was like, again, it was fine. I didn't have anything against it, but I had more fun with the one-shot episodes. Um, I'm glad they wrapped it. Um, they did some nice stuff with Lily. She's like, a, with Lily Watson, who is Watson's daughter, and she's like officially the new Watson. So I do like the the idea of like, you know, shifting to some different characters and sleuths and things in the next generation. So it was fun. I am continuing to watch it and enjoy it. Again, uh, the new one that dropped today, I'm very curious to see what they do with this new, like, antagonist backstory stuff they're setting up with Lupin. Um, so fingers crossed it goes well. That's where I am with that one. Any, any, any questions or concerns before we move on? <laughs> nope. All right. Arian of the Vampire Cosmonaut. I finished this one. Peter, did you finish this one? I didn't have time, unfortunately. Okay. I guess I get to monologue again. Um, this one will be short. Here's the thing. I finished some of these shows, like it feels like a month ago. It was probably only two weeks, but that's a forever time in anime word world um this was one i basically liked all the way through um and i will probably never think of it again (laughs) um now that i have finished it it will quickly disappear from my brain it might come up in conversation i'll be like oh yeah i watched that was all right um so it's one of those i'm damning it with faint praise um Where's that John Mulaney clip again? We can just put that in here. It did some it did some kind of interesting things with like the idea of allyship with the protag whose name uh, I'm now forgetting and I really should have pulled up the Wikipedia for this one before I started talking about it. What is his it. name? Lev. It was Lev. Lev, yeah. Well, so one thing that was nice about it is it is a full story. So like, because um, I think the manga, yeah, the manga was seven volumes and they uh, they got the whole story in. Wow. Um, and it felt there was a few places. It really didn't feel super rushed. Like there were definitely some places where they did a little bit of like time skippiness, a little. Um, but yeah, so they did some inter- they did some things that I didn't hate with the idea of like allyship with Lev, because like at first he's you know like it, the whole thing is like Irina's going to be the first person in space, but nobody's going to ever know about it because she's a vampire, and they don't want that to be like the story that's told because vampires are a oppressed species um, in this world. And, um, or I guess race, because they're really not any different from humans. Like, I'm like, why didn't you guys just, why did you have to make it a fantasy blood drinking thing when clearly you want to have a conversation about like a racial oppression? But that's, a, that's, a, that's a, you know what, that's a conversation for another podcast. That's a whole conversation. Um, but like at the end, Lev, like he's kind of trying to like make sure Irina's words are heard. So like when he, spoiler, when he actually goes into space and is officially the first person in space, he like repeats her words because he wants people to know what she said about the stars. But like everyone assumes they're his words. So it's like, are you actually helping? 
Um, and she gets kind of upset at first. She's like, why are you repeating the things I said? Why are you taking credit for that? And then she kind of realizes, oh, he's trying to tell me that he misses me because they haven't seen each other for a while. Um, but then at the very, very end, he gets up and he's like giving his big like, go UZSR, go fantasy Russia speech. And he's like, hey, by the way, uh, I wasn't the first, like in front of God and everyone, he's like, yeah. yeah, by the way, I wasn't the first person in space. It was this vampire named Irina and she was amazing and she worked really hard and she deserves like to have her story told. And um, got yeah, got him. <laughs> and I really, I really like that they did that. And like um, Irina, because, you know, it's also like low key a romance, although they never officially get together, which I really like. Yeah. Um, because there was a little bit of because of like their relationship in terms of like power dynamics and age dynamics like i like the idea that like they might someday get together but they don't actually get together in the story like they clearly care about each other so i like that they didn't like go all all in on the romance aspect Um, but she's in the crowd so she actually comes up on stage and the people working behind the scenes like a couple of them actually did support her so they were kind of like yes good well done love and they kind of made it work so because i thought oh you guys are going to get thrown in jail and it's going to be real bad Mm -hmm. um but at this point he's a national hero so they can't really do anything to him to delete him yeah yeah exactly um so they kind of get away with it and arena gets her story told and so i did really like the way it came together at the end um it's and it's always good to hear Megumi Hayashibara in a main role. Um, it was not like, as far as like uh, production and delivery goes, like it was, it was competent throughout. It was not like jaw dropping, but um, I think it had a, I think it had its heart in the right place and it, it did, it wrapped up the story well. So um, again, not one that I'm necessarily going to remember into the future, but um, overall, a well-told little, little uh, alternate history narrative. So um, I feel like you're throwing me a curveball. You said faint praise, and then you basically just <laughs> praised it a lot. Well, <laughs> yeah. like I said, as I was talking about it, 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 I again, I liked it more in theory than in practice. Like mm-hmm. it didn't. I wasn't like you know, I like I'm, I'm describing this big triumphant finale and like the kind of thing where I should like have been in like joyous tears about these characters. And I, I was like, oh, cool. You guys, you guys told the story well. It was very. It was you know, I never really clicked with it on that emotional mm-hmm. level um but as far as like you know nuts and bolts go i think it i think it uh handled its handled its elements pretty well so okay um yeah i don't know like i said a faint wreck like you know worth your time but not something that you need to drop everything to watch um i i, I kind of i low-key apologize guys i summarized like the entire end of that show and probably didn't need to um but now you at folks know the whole story uh okay next up peter far away paladin uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I, I, I think it might have had the same issue that you had with uh, Irina and that, it, well, I don't know, it, its production was definitely not as good as Irina. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it was really hampered by maybe not the direction, but just the resources available to the team who was making it, uh, which is a shame because I feel like as far as storytelling and like, uh, I, I don't know, just general emotional themes go, it was much more mature and interesting than I'd say about 99% of the Iskai that you ever get uh, mm-hmm. out there. I, I think it's going to get a season two. So uh, it's not like it came to any sort of like set conclusion or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to summarize it as like a, a whole cloth piece, but uh, it felt really good. Uh, a lot of likable characters. I think William's a sweet boy. He meets a, 
I, I told you about the the shitty half elf archer boy. Yes, very good. Kind of. I really want to go back to it. <laughs> yeah, he also meets a uh, uh, Rabina Goodfellow, who's a half elf bard, uh, or not a half a halfling, uh, who's this little tiny girl. Everybody calls her B, and she's really bubbly and great, and is always making songs. She plays a Rebek. Uh, she is super great. A very good addition to the cast. Oh, Hangs good. out with a merchant who kind of works with them as well. So they kind mm-hmm. of form like a, I don't know, a good D&D group. I think mm-hmm. all the characters are really charming. William's a little bit overpowered, but I think they always sort of attribute him being overpowered to the fact that his parents were so great and they gave him all the tools he would need to survive the world and they loved him so much. And <laughs> they just raised him so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was raised so well by his great parents. And he, as he travels the world, he learns more about how his parents were heroes and stuff and loves them even more. Uh, so that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's really great. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, you got to kind of really push through, um, the, the, whatever challenges the production had, uh, mm. kind of a shame. I, I felt like if it, if it got the same attention, like Mushoku Tensei got, it could have mm-hmm. really been something spectacular, but <sighs> that's instead, too bad. Listen, we all wish that yeah. the, the budget of the pedo show could be on better things, but we live in the world. <laughs> Yeah, if I got a if I got a one to one onto another isekai though, that's where I would have uh, transferred the resources directly though. Yeah, mm. but yeah, that's where I'm at. I that's another one that I kept kind of being like, oh, I should give that another try. Um, if I could just check out the books, my library does not have them. I think I'd really like to read it, but um, yeah, maybe the light again. novel art is spectacular too. It is really oh, good. good. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, again, the winter season is looking a little dire at this point, so uh, Faraway Paladin might make my might get get to make a comeback next season. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I recommend checking it out to at least Metal Door if you can, uh, mm-hmm. or all the way to B, uh, and I, I think that you'll be hooked by then, probably. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Good to know. Anything else to say about Banished from the Heroes Party that we didn't say at the midway point? I think we pretty much got the whole of it the first time. Stayed, stayed the yeah. course? Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. Um, Taisho Otome Fairy Tale is next on our list. We're entering the It's Complicated category. Um, kind of like how I said at the mid-season, this show continues to fit very solidly in It's Complicated. Um, I liked a lot of things it did. I thought the cast was overall, like, most of them were relatably flawed, and, like, they, and it was overall, like, a very warm-hearted show about, you know, sort of finding a community, um, sometimes with relatives, like, the main character reconnects with one of his sisters, but sometimes also realizing, like, you know, you have to be willing to kind of let go of toxic family members and um, him getting away from his absolutely garbage father and older siblings. Um, It's another one where the manga was only like, I don't know, like six volumes or something. So they told the full story um, in the anime to my knowledge. Anyway, it felt like it had a conclusion and continue to have the same problem throughout where the, the main uh, girl Yuzu was just, she was every time they'd like, walk up to the line of like letting her be a more like well-rounded character they eventually kind of pull it back into oh but she's just so sweet and perfect um and she her role is kind of to just like help and fix everyone around her which includes female characters it's not just dudes um so there's that but that was always the stumbling block and kind of continued to be the stumbling block throughout was the way they wrote her um otherwise i really liked it i think it did some very nice things with um again depression and found families and uh, a little bit with ableism, and yeah. So I mean, it had it had lots of good elements. I thought the the overall story was was very sweet and hopeful. And I 
I'm not going to officially recommend it in our season uh, retrospective, but if you like rom-coms and you're listening to this, um, I am unofficially recommending it here. Um, I think it's a nice, a nice little historical romance. So I will give it that. Flawed, but worthwhile. Uh, okay, Night Behind the Tri- Beyond the Tricorn Windover, I dropped because the production was a disaster, um, but the manga was good. Yeah, I, I actually did want to note very briefly before we move on, there was, since the midseason, a very interesting interview posted on Anime News Network with the manga author, where she talks about partly the series starting out with some of the typical consent issues that people always talk about with BL, and mm-hmm. her acknowledging that I just wasn't really thinking about that stuff when I started writing. And then as I became more aware during the writing process, I decided that I should lean into this as horror. And that's, I don't know, it made me respect her a lot. And so I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to even more uh, continuing with reading the manga. Uh, that's all mm-hmm. I had to say about that. Okay. No, that's, that's interesting. That is good to know. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, this is another one that might take some time. Comey can't communicate. Vry, you and I watched this one to completion. Uh, well, to the end of season one, because we're getting a part two in like the summer. I think it's a split core. So, or spring. Anyway, um, what are your thoughts on Comey? Anything different from the midseason? <sighs> Every time that Yamai is not on screen, it is a wonderful, lovely time. Um, N- Najimi is my child, uh, mm-hmm. and I love them, and they're all good kids. I liked this show. That's That's my thoughts. I, yeah, I really don't have much to add from the, and this was, you know, reading the manga, this con- continued to be the case, too, from what I've read of it. Um, Yamai is a huge, huge flaw in the show, and she never really gets better. Every time you think, oh, maybe they're going to pivot her into being, like, more relatably, like, just a awkward kid with a crush, um, they swerve back into, like, overbearing, creepy, predatory, lesbian stereotype, and it sucks. Um, so Yamai's no fun. Everyone else is great. I'm glad you like Najimi. I love Najimi. Um, they're such a little troll, and I adore them. Um, and the, you know, it's one of those we, I think we lament like a lot of straight rom coms is just like we smashed a potato against a pretty girl and romance happens because we told we said it would. And I think Comey, honestly, I think it does a really good job with Comey and Tadano. Like they are believably awkward turtles who you understand why they like each other. Um, I think they're very sweet together, and I I, uh, I make awe noises sometimes <laughs> with them. I don't know about you, but I, I think it's I think it's a well done like slow burn uh, romance at the kind of at the heart of the story, or I should say love story maybe. But yeah, I, I think there are times where it gets a little a little bit close to the line of being infantilizing in its depiction of Comey and her anxiety. But for the most part, uh, I really liked it. Yeah, I think there's definitely there's, there's there might be an interesting versus article you could do honestly between Comey and uh, Watamote about like mm. depicting the like awkward messiness of social anxiety as opposed to like you know with Comey it's it's pretty much all like they're very sympathetic to her anxiety but it's pretty much always depicted as sort of like endearing right it's cute it's never it's never the like cringe inducing oh god that's too realness that you that um something like watamode leans more into um and i think there's there's probably well there are some fair criticisms to make about that like you know it's okay as long as you're cute so there's probably a conversation to have there that having been said within the context of the show it being it being intentionally a light comedy um i think it i think it handles um her 
and very, very sympathetically. And, um, you and, know, and I definitely find her relatable a lot of the time. Oh yeah. No, I do too. Definitely. Um, but you know, that feeling of like, oh, this is, this is too close to home. I need to go lie down. Um, I think Comey doesn't, it doesn't get as, it doesn't get into like the, I will say it is ultimately a comedy, you know? Um, and so I do think you have to kind of be aware of that going into it, but, um, God, the final, uh, the final little note at the end of the last episode where it was like, this is dedicated to anyone who struggled to communicate. Like I straight up teared up. I was like, Oh my God, this show has such a good heart. Um, so I do love that it is engaging with, with that so openly. And again, like really doesn't like Comey says she wants to get better at communicating. So like Najimi like intentionally pushes her out of her comfort zone sometimes and then immediately feels bad about it. Um, so I think the show is really nice about not being like, Oh, Comey just needs to get over it. You know, like it's it it tries to accommodate her her needs and wants and balance that out in a way that I really like. Um, overall, I think the the main characters are you know good kids. So same, yeah. So yeah, it, it won't be on the Rex post because it's split core, but we all we we liked it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, did you? How far into Blue Period did you get? That's the next one on the list. Uh I only made it about halfway. It fell squarely into my. I didn't hate this, but I'm just going to have a better time and get through it faster if I read the manga. So I'm sorry that I yeah. don't have anything more to report on its on the trans stuff, y'all. I truly meant to, and it just, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. It sounds like it wasn't a particularly strong adaptation. Like, most people said they thought it was kind of flat in comparison to the manga, which is unfortunate, so... Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and, and again, I really enjoy what I've read of the manga and intend to go back to it, so good maybe we can Um, do a podcast specifically for that sometime in future i don't know yeah maybe we'll touch on it at some point um well that was quick then we'll move into our feminist potential category which i think both of these shows sometimes we get to this top category and it's like oh boy we goofed up man we misread that premiere like nobody's business sorry guys uh so far i would say our top two this time through we kind of knocked out of the park um Ranking of Kings, we'll start with. How's everybody feeling about Ranking of Kings halfway through as it continues into the winter? Why is it so good? Couldn't feel better, I don't think. Yeah, it's really it's really strong. It's a terrific production of a a really like surprisingly complex narrative, I think, the the way it's weaving like a bunch of different plot lines together and a bunch of different character arcs and everybody feels like a well-rounded person and not just an archetype. Um, it's building a lot of mysteries and juggling them so far. Again, I, I'm always worried it's got a lot of balls in the air, and I'm like, at some point, one of these is going to crash to the ground. But so far, I think it's juggling all of its plot points really well. Yeah, it, it's not eligible for the season Rex or the anime of the year list for us, but like, I know it would have been up there if it had been, um, and probably will be for next year too, unless it like face plants at some point. So, No, my only concern, I think, is that the manga is still ongoing, which means that the anime is going to have to find either a stopping point or make up its own ending mm-hmm. which it's not made by bones so probably <laughs> it'll just have a non-ending uh which is but other than that i just i really like how humanizing in particular uh it came to write healing Th- that episode oh, yeah. made me so happy mm-hmm. she's like my well, favorite character yeah, no, Hilling's great. Um, I freaking Dida, who starts as just like this little shit, um, has oh, become a son? very yeah, yeah, yeah. He's become a very. I mean, again, he was he's a kid who had somebody in his ear who he thought he could trust, and turns out he couldn't. And like, I also kind of felt bad for him because his mom kind of ignored him. Like, I really like Hilling, but she definitely had this attitude of like, well, he doesn't need my help. Um, he'll be fine. I really should focus on on uh, 
on Boji. And um, so I think, I think that, you know, it, it shows how like even kids who seem like they maybe like, you know, have it all together and are like, you know, quote unquote strong. It's doing a lot about, it's doing a lot with capital M masculinity. And I really hope somebody pitches us on it because um, I think there's a lot you could talk about there with the way uh, the other characters like talk to and address and uh, deal with both Boji and Dida and how that is damaging for both of them in in very different ways. I think another weaker, I, uh, not another anime would other animes have uh tackled disability in a way that it pretty much limits itself to Dida's episode where he realizes that he's been kind of a shit and not understood Boji's perspective and then that's as much as they get into and, uh-huh. and I I would be very interested to see somebody pitch something about how or if his episode in the mirror hits differently because we are so centered in Boji as the hero and how good he is and and his journey and he's so i love him <laughs> sorry yeah. the show is full no of no it is um there's there's a tear up moment every couple episodes just about um and it again everyone's really really well humanized the the way they've handled boji's arc i think has been good because again kind of in the way that with comey it wasn't like well you just need to get over this like there's a thing boji wants to be able to do which is you know be like he wants to be able to like defend and protect people and he finds a teacher who goes, okay, here are your strengths. Let's work with those. And, you know, he's able to find a weapon and a style of fighting that works for what he wants to do and, and what he can do with his, with his physical abilities. And I'd be really curious to hear from, especially like, um, like a hard of hearing or a deaf, you know, um, person engaged with the show, um, how they think it's handling that. Because obviously I, I do not have that, those life experiences, um, but but from my pers- from my limited perspective, it feels like it's handling the idea of like you know not of you know accessibility and accommodation quite well. So I, I do like that about it too. It makes me so happy to hear people talk about the show because it mm-hmm. it always feels to me like this should be an an Anna Twitter bubble show. But uh, no, but no kidding. One of my uh, one of my coworkers at my day job brought it up out of nowhere, and I was like, oh oh, people are watching this show. It, I think it has a lot of crossover potential, because, especially because there's not really, like, it's set in a very, like, Western fairy tale type world. So there's not that cultural barrier of, like, you know, when you get, when you, even a show like Demon Slayer, which is huge, like, there's still a little bit of a cultural barrier of, like, oh, okay, this is, this is a Japanese history show rooted in, like, Japanese mythology. And if you don't have that baseline, it can maybe be a little bit intimidating for some folks to get into, which is not the show's fault, but, you know, it can, it can impact crossover. And this one, like, immediately, I feel like, it, it is built on ideas that are baked into a lot of our like common like myths and legends and again fairy tales and Disney you know Disney movies and stuff and and the way it plays with those ideas and challenges them um, is is very I think it's very engaging and so I think it has it has some potential there as well so hopefully it uh, continues to gain a, a bigger and bigger following as people realize the show kicks ass actually classic disney-esque is a, is a good way of sort of describing yeah it. like i mean even the art style right like it doesn't it doesn't you don't look at it and immediately go oh that that looks like an anime it doesn't have the a lot of the traditional like the author is clearly both in the art and the storytelling style like leaning into like disney fairy tale type tales i mean i got tezuka from it but tezuka is also oh yeah yeah, yeah. no you see that too but tezuka was also uh <laughs> inspired by Uh disney so it's um it's a it's a long line that goes back but yeah um just as far as the art style art style goes and stuff so 
And then what were you going to say, Vry? Oh, Sun Wan Cho, uh, a.k.a. Pro ZD, is Kage in the dub. And every time I think about that, I smile. Yeah. That is also great. great. Yeah, I, I haven't watched any of the dub yet, but um, I would, again, if it has a good dub, that also increases uh, its potential to, you know, gain a wider audience. And it's always nice when, when like, the critical darlings also become hits. So I hope Ranking of Kings does, does well for itself. Mm. Um, speaking of critical darlings, are we ready to move on to the next one on the list? Yeah. You go. I feel like you are the best to do this. Uh, yeah, so the Heike story was our um, our other kind of top-tier show this season, and I think that I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, that maintained that stayed the case all the way through. Um, it was a work of art, and it was terrific, and I cried a little bit, so it hit me. There weren't a ton of shows this year that both, like, clicked with me emotionally and also, like, from, like, an analytical, like, critical perspective – uh, Heike did both with aplomb, and I was very, very impressed with this one. Um, it's probably going to be a neat show forever and ever because it is a retelling of a like classic, you know, um, Japanese. Uh, well, I mean, it began as like bards, you know, going around and telling the, the story of the Heike, and then was eventually put into writing. Um, and is very, and there's a ton of characters, and so it can be kind of hard to follow. And spoilers, I guess everybody dies, so um, it's 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 a heavy one too. But I I was really impressed with this from the pers- especially from the perspective of like how do you retell a story that's been told a million times and still make it fresh and different and new? And I think this adaptation of Heike was brilliant in all regards. I mean, I think the way it's centered the emotionality of the characters and the the domestic life and the women in the story in a way that at least the translation I read of Heike's story, because I've heard that the newer translation um, does a better job of this as well. Um, the translation I read really was like a bunch of men fighting battles and, um, and politicking. And you get some of that in this, but it's very much grounded around the, the impact that has on family and kids and, and um, you know, the women who have limited power in this society and, like, what do they do? How do you exist within that structure and navigate within that structure? Um, I thought Biwa was a surprisingly terrific protagonist in that, like, the way uh, she sort of existed in the in-between spaces um, and was a – and was try- kind of trying to grapple with what she could do with – again, with, with relatively no power and, like, how she could honor these people around her. And what she was seeing and, you know, the, the sort of the value of narrative and storytelling. And there's a lot I could talk about with the show, you guys. <laughs> I'm mm. monologuing and I'm sorry. Um, mm. it, I, I was really, really impressed with this one. And I, I can't wait for it to get a Blu-ray so I can have it on my shelf forever and ever and watch it again and maybe cry. Um, Peter Vry, you also finished it. How did you feel about it? I really, really liked it. Um, I found it. I think it is always going to be an intimidating series for people as somebody with no familiarity with the source material, you know, it's certainly, I got lost a time or two, but I think the show is really, really smart um, in its visual coding. I always felt like I was following the emotional through line of knowing, all right, these people are related to these people, even if I can't necessarily remember their names and what house they're related to. The emotional through lines were always very clear. And I think it's very smartly told that way. I did by the end start calling it uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead for Japanese literature, which I stand by. Do you want to explain that? that Oh, for the people who don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Who maybe don't know what that is. Uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is this famous existential 1970s play where 
two of the side characters from Hamlet are on stage the whole time, and you're essentially seeing them when they are off stage from the uh, from the grand Shakespearean tragedy, and then occasionally that that's here, and and they'll talk in sort of a normal vernacular talk about why they're here and they can't remember, and oh, can they stop? Can they defy this fate that they feel like you know? they have to do and then the plot will break in and they'll break into their lines from the play and then the plot will leave again and they'll be like why did we just do that and so i think that that sense of compulsion and the inevitable and people battling against something that feels like is larger than they are is very present present in this also i don't think it's a direct reference or anything i just think uh the two works are dabbling in similar ideas yeah, retelling of these, you know, extremely, like, these classic tragedies and um, engaging with the idea that it, like, has to happen this way every time you tell it. Um, I think that's, I think that, I can see that. I can see that comparison. Uh, Peter, what about you? Uh, I uh, really liked it. I gotta say, like, uh, up until the finale, I was kind of, I was like, this is good. Uh, I, I don't know if it really, like, it obviously didn't click with me the same way it did with you, but that, that was one hell of a finale, I think, which really kind of mm-hmm. boxed it up nicely and and kind of just the, the way they decided to execute it on it, like really kind of, I don't know, it was a very great emotional delivery and everything that had occurred up until that point. Mm-hmm. I, I also want to, I agree with what you said about like reframing the story since uh, I know I have read some of uh, Tale of Heike back in Japanese literature when I was in mm-hmm. college. I remember yeah. basically nothing, but I think it, it did kind of, uh, some of the ways that they lose like uh, battles is kind of almost, like comical uh, in, I don't think there's any way they could betray it in a modern way that it's not comical, like with the guys getting scared of the birds and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but, like it's, it's not, um, I, I know what you're saying. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was, it was able to kind of deliver on how ludicrous some of the events were in kind mm-hmm. of an entertaining way while still delivering like very uh, kind of like the emotional fallout of those events Mm-hmm. Both of which I think are missing from the original telling, which I, I if I recall correctly, kind of told it straight like that's how the guy lost and it was very embarrassing. Um, but it kind of shows you that it's it's humorous and then you you touch back with the character more personally later and their their like entire self-perception is destroyed uh, and uh, you, you, you kind of come to pity them as well because uh, I, I can't remember his name, but uh He's the one who ends up becoming a monk, right? Or is that the one who uh, all of his guys fell off the cliff? Uh, one of the two. Um, <laughs> you 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 kind of like see how all these people are not equipped to to deal with the the problems that they had in front of them, and uh, it it brings it on a very personal level with them having conversations and you know crying and and giving up, and then and this one character kind of. Uh, uh, feeling sympathetic toward all of them on a very personal level, rather than just this larger narrative. So, yeah, I think that's great. Really good finale. So Heike's story was great. Everybody should yeah. go watch it. Mm-hmm. The end. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. watch it. The end. Um, okay, we have a few minutes here. We're actually doing pretty good on time. Um, there were sequels and carryovers that we can touch on here. Um, I'm going to skip over Tropical Rouge Precure because I didn't finish it one of these days. I will actually get through a whole Precure, but I just keep losing momentum around episode 30. I keep waiting for like the beat to drop, I guess, and then it never really does, and then I sort of lose interest. But, I mean, it was pleasant. I, I, did, I enjoyed what I liked. I just got busy with other stuff. Um, or I enjoyed what I watched. I just got busy with other stuff. I finished Let's Make a Mug 2, 2, 
which by the way a missed opportunity for them to spell it let's make a mug t-w-o for season two like come mm-hmm. on guys yeah I really enjoyed this one. Um, I think it does a, I think 15 minutes is exactly the right amount of time for it. I think if it had been a full half hour, I would have, I would have lost interest earlier. Um, It does a really nice job. I mean, kind of the same stuff I said about the first season. Um, I think it does a nice job of like showing the frustrations you have as you're like, you, you find a hobby you like, and then you decide you kind of want to get serious with it. And the frustrations of like figuring out the art you want to do and not being as good as you wish you were, um, because you've just started this thing um and or then like and then there's some characters who are really talented but they're kind of trying to find their own voice because they've got the technical aspects down so like where do i go from here um and it's all very like it's all very like you know slice of life low-key um relaxing to watch um but i think it touches on those things really well um and the main character sort of connecting with her deceased mom through this art form that they both end up really liking um so overall i really like that one um if you like uh, either hobby shows or, you know, just like you need like a chill out show. Um, I would absolutely recommend Let's Make a Mug. Like, I think it's it's great for that, especially. Peter, you kept up with great Jay. I know Mercedes has been enjoying this one. Do you have anything you wanted to say about it today? Or is it kind of staying the course from those early episodes? Uh, I think she enjoyed it a lot more than I did. Uh, I, I yeah. guess since it's too core, I should say that it did have like plot and character development. Uh you learn more about the big bad or good in this case. Jahi kind mm-hmm. of develops a lot as a character to stop being such a shitty asshole and starts appreciating people and like figures out ways to live in our dimension and stuff like that. So there, there is development in the story and it ends on a pretty good note. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. All right. Okay. So if you liked it at the start, it sounds like you'd like it all the way through, but if it wasn't for you at the beginning, there's no reason to really go back to it. Does that sound about right? Sounds right. I think Mercedes okay. was doing the episode reviews, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, she covered it week to week on ANN, so if people really want yeah. a, a bunch more detail, it's there. Read that, cool. please. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next one I will touch on very briefly, uh, Restaurant to Another World 2. None of us watched it, but Chiaki and Mercedes did and freaking loved it. Like, enough that I'm pretty sure, spoilers, I guess, I'm pretty sure they both put it on their, like, best of the year lists. Wow. So, um... Be aware of that one, I guess, if you like, again, like chill out shows. Um, it sounds like that one continued to be nice. So Every day I feel a little guilty for dunking on the first episode of the first season so hard. It didn't deserve that. <laughs> it, it didn't deserve that, but in fairness, it was pretty boring. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I, you know, again, I haven't seen season two, so I can't, I can't speak to how it continued to go. Um, but I had a hard time getting into that one as well. But, you know, power to the folks who, who liked it and continue to like it. And it sounds like if, if that style is your style, season two will be a great time. Um, okay, I do want to spend a little bit of time on Aquatope. Um, is it, oh, what's the full title on that? The Aquatope on White Sand. The Aquatope on White Sand. Yeah, it's the words are never the, yeah, they're never all exactly where I expect them to be. So the Aquatope on White Sand made me cry full on tears, not just, uh, not just tear up like two to three times, uh, which is a record. I think Um, this one, this one hit me, uh, hit me hard with uh, its storylines about, um, especially about like having to let go of a place that you loved that is no longer there. And the frustrations of like finding a job that you want to do and then having to give it up for a job that you don't like as much um, because that's just kind of the way, the world works sometimes like you you have to do the work that you're given um to exist and pay your bills <laughs> um so i um i really really like this one i thought the character arc especially with kukuru um 
and her sort of growing into her own as a young adult and kind of figuring out what she wants to do with her life. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a very, I think it's, I think it was probably the best like full on like character driven, like drama of the year. I think it was really, really strong. So um, I liked this one a lot. Uh, How did you guys feel about it? It's been so long since uh, I I think it ended before the other shows ended and it was like 24 episodes. So I'm having trouble like remembering my specific experiences with it, but Mm -hmm. I, I came away really positively toward the show. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to agree, like, I, especially with the way they kind of, in addition to the Gamma Gamma being so important to her, the way they kind of tied it to her parents uh, and kind of her, her feelings of loss and grief, I mm-hmm. thought it was like really spot on. And I, I also like as a as kind of a layer to what you were discussing earlier with like having to do the job you're given, I, I kind of personally felt that in the way that like, sometimes you're really in love with the work you're doing and part of like advancing your career is having to, to manage other people and maybe stepping back from getting your hands in the actual work that you previously enjoyed. So there mm-hmm. is like an element of sacrifice, even in just like continuing on with the same career. I've, I've experienced that personally. And that kind of uh, hit me because I'm like, uh, like, man, I really liked doing some of the, the smaller things I used to do. And now I, I just don't have time for those things anymore. Yeah. I have to like, hand it off to other people. And that really yeah, it's more is kind of painful. Like- yeah, having to like go from the hands-on to the more sort of bigger picture abstract work and um, yeah. how you make that transition um, while still, you know, finding joy in it. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it handled all of that really well. I uh, I also do want to give a shout out because I'm pretty sure this happened in the second core. Yeah, it did. Um, shout out to the episode about working moms being like yes. really fucking good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's still a huge, like I've been, I've, this is this has been my my point of study recently. I've been reading up a lot on like um, Japanese family structures and like work life um, situation over the last like ten odd years, and like that's still a huge like social pressure to stay home and raise your kid full time, especially when they're younger, like before they go to school. Um, and so for the show to take a really sympathetic view towards these to, towards the moms with the young kids and be like, no, like and being very like supportive of them doing their work and be like, no, they need a support structure around them. It's not like they're not monsters for wanting to also, you know, uh, do this job that they love or that they need to do to pay the bills or what have you. Um, so I really, I thought that episode was like, maybe one of the, like, again, Hege's story was a freaking work of art. Um, maybe not the best episode of the year, but like in the top tier, as far as like episodes of the year go. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that was really terrific. So I wanted to put a pin in that as well um, because that was yeah, yeah, unex- unexpected and great. So good job. Aquatope. Pretty revolutionary plot line for honestly. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of good for you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Considering the uh, ongoing problems with women being encouraged to go back to work, but they're not being support systems for their children. So they're tired and underpaid and it's a whole thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, yes, I also thought that Aquatope was really good. It was just a good show. I think you could binge this show, but it was just really satisfying to watch week to week. I really liked the characters. Um, I really liked Kukuru's character arc, and I liked some of the, like you said, some of the individual episodes were really nice. It's very pretty to look at from beginning to end. Uh, I liked the very quiet melancholy that it could, that that it captures in certain moments. I kind of like. On the one hand, I kind of like that it ends up being focused on friendship and career over romance. Uh, it's very, very funny to me that they kept doing all of that stuff with Kai having a crush and that it goes nowhere. Um, I will say, I 
really, really wanted to get behind this show as, all right, they're just going to be friends. They've seeded this long lost sister thing since the beginning. I'm going to be on its side that it's trying to be platonic about this. And then they would bring out the like sisters thing exclusively at the moments where um, our two main characters were acting very non-platonic. And it started to feel a little baity. I try not to label shows with mm. that, but it felt a little baity. Yeah. <laughs> like they had realized they had written this more intimately than a friendship in those moments. And rather than lean into that or readjusting the scenes, they were like, no, 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 we're just going to verbally reassure people. Because there are moments in the show where they feel like good friends and sisters a lot of times. But those aren't the moments where they're calling each other like sisters. If you see what I mean. staring into each other's eyes with mood lighting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was kind of an annoyance, but it wasn't enough to break the show for me or even to keep me from recommending it to other people. It just made me roll my eyes like really hard. And also they definitely started dating after the end of the show. Like, damn, that (laughs) that finale. Those are my thoughts on Aquatope. It was quite good. It's nice to see shows about adult working women. Thank you, PA Works. Yeah, I love that. That is a that is a series PA Works has made is shows about working <laughs> working girls and working women. So yeah, I thought this one was really good. Um, it might be my favorite of their working shows. Like I know Shirobako is everyone's favorite. I might have overall as far as like emotional highs and stuff. This one's up there for me. It it's more subtle, but I I really I really thought this one did a very good job with its character stories. Okay, we, so technically we could talk about 86, but it's not finished. There's two more episodes. They've been having a production implosion. Yeah. And, well, and you know what? Honestly, I would rather that they they take the time to do it than to, like, smash it out the door half finished. So uh, the finale, we sort of got a finale with episode 10, but it was very much a maybe everybody's dead, uh, which they did at the end of season one as well. Um, So there's two more episodes. They're going to air in March. I don't know how much we want to talk about it at this point without knowing how it actually officially wraps. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as enamored with this season as I was season one, mostly yeah. because Frederica is not the worst character in the world, but had the worst voice actress. I think they could have possibly picked for her. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I've ever had a voice actor's dis of character portrayal decision impact my feelings about a show as dramatically as I did Frederica. Yeah. Um, it was so atonal with the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And she just sounded like she had swallowed helium and was playing her like this. And she's, I think the character on paper can work like other than some of the, other than some of the tropey scenes that I feel like somebody had to check a box um, for two minutes in one episode or something. Um, I think the character works in the story as far as um, like the idea of like generational violence and her connection to uh, Shin and Kitty, her old guard. I think all of that on paper is really good, but every time she opened her mouth. So hopefully it gets a dub and then maybe I won't hate Frederica as much because they'll cast her better. Uh, um, Yeah. I think 86 might be one of those where after season two comes out, we might just want to do like a full on retrospective because I think there's a lot we could dig into with it. Um, Peter, was there anything in particular you wanted to say about it before we call it for the day? I, I think you called it out. It's really hard to uh, uh, kind of talk about it without seeing the conclusion. I do want to note there is already a dub up to episode 16. So oh, okay. I, I, no. I missed that. So I mm-hmm. guess I just didn't see that on the page. So cool. That's good. I'll have to see how she sounds in English and maybe I'll like her more. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Uh, but yeah, I think you, you summarized it pretty well. 
Okay. Yeah, we'll have to put a pin in that for spring, and then maybe we can maybe we can dig into it a little bit more into what the show was kind of trying to do with season two and why it worked or didn't work and all that good stuff. Heck yeah. Um, was there anything else? I don't see anything else on the list, but uh, speak now or forever hold your peace, team. Otherwise, I'll play us out. I think that was everything. Yes. Sure. Cool. Awesome. Okay. We actually did pretty good that time. Go team. All right, folks. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends about us. And if you really liked what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head over to patreon.com backslash anime feminist and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, we have new perks, new tiers, um, lots of new stuff, including bonus podcast episodes um, for the low, low price of $5 a month. So uh, we'd love it if you'd go maybe check that out and consider becoming a patron. Uh, your support goes a long way towards making Anime Feminist happen, both in print and in your earbuds. If you're interested in more from the team and our contributors, you can find us at AnimeFeminist.com, on Tumblr at Anime Feminist, and on Twitter at Anime Feminist. Um, we also have a store now. Uh, you can find links to that on our homepage. It's AnimeFeminist.com backslash store. Um, but we've got some cool geeky merch there. Um, so uh, check that out when you get the chance. And hopefully you find something you love. Again, the money for that goes to uh, supporting indie artists who we want to work with in the future. And also towards helping us uh, pay our staff and contributors and keep the lights on and all that good stuff. So we greatly appreciate it. And that is the show. Let us know your favorite uh, fall titles. I almost said the wrong uh, season there. Let us know your favorite fall titles in the comments, Annie Fam, And we will catch you next time. <laughs>